Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Thanks to Rothy's for supporting Made for This. Fall is in the air, and what better way to welcome the season than with new shoes like Rothy's best-selling flats, loafers, and sneakers. Get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash madeforthis. Well, guys, two years ago, I actually interviewed Jim Cofield. He was a huge hit and it was brilliant. And and we wanted to have him back, especially for this season where we're talking about what does it look like to be a healthy person and how do we do this? And so, Jim, why don't you start with a little bit about what you do and really why you do it? Certainly. Well, it's delightful to be able to talk about this with you. I uh, What I do is we care for the souls of Christian leaders is um, simply put, we try to offer pastoral care that is psychologically sensitive, historically informed, biblically based, and relationally focused. So there are a lot, there's a lot of discouragement, especially in a COVID world. Uh, a lot of good people just tired. We're, it seems like we're all tired and wanting things to move on. And um, a lot of division over things that we shouldn't divide over. So, um, and people are discouraged over that. So we just try to uh, give them a safe place and hear their stories and um, try to keep them in, in, um, in the battle, so to speak. The reason I do this is because I was in pastoral ministry for almost 25 years. And I know the, uh, my wife and I know the kind of the, the scars, the wounds, the uh, feeling like you're running out of gas, feeling like you can't do it anymore, the feeling of sabotaging. We just we've been there, done that yeah. kind of thing. And we we uh, at Crosspoint we long to help people, help people find help before things get desperate. I mm. guess is what I try to say. Yeah, I want to go behind the curtain of your brain and and let's just go to the moment that somebody walks in your office. And they're sharing burnout symptoms, right? Where's the first place you take them? What's the most important thing? Somebody listening to someone that has is burning out and exhausted and moving towards disintegration and, and unhealth. What's your first go-to thing? I'll give you just a little background on that. The reason we get burned out is typically because we're acting out of a compulsion more than a calling. And compulsions are in service of, are they're basically defenses to protect us from some wound mm. or to find identity in something. So we over, we overwork, we do in order to, uh, to be in service of my identity or serving my worth or whatever. So I get in trouble. I get to burnout by um, overdoing it, by being driven by compulsions. And the way I get to find out what those compulsions are and why is, is in a person's story. 
So I ask someone, the first thing I want to know is tell me your story. Just slow down. Tell me your story as far back as you can remember. Even tell me about grandma and grandpa, if you can. Parents, what was the emotional climate between mom and dad? How did you learn to talk about emotions? What was the affection like? What happened as you grew up? What do you remember that was kind of hard or traumatic? And I, I begin to, once I share, I begin to get a picture of why we do what we do. Because mm. there, there's a reason for why we do what we do. I, I think people are trying to do well. Paul said in Romans 7, I, I want to do well. It's just I'm not, not always doing it. And uh, I think that's true for many people. I want to do it well. I don't know why I'm not. So we'll find why we're not if we if we explore our stories. We'll find out where, where, we're, where we're overdoing things. Mm, that's so good. I think that's where it's so helpful to see a counselor, why I believe in it, because we aren't people, creatures that typically think about why we do what we do, right? We're, we know what we do sometimes. Sometimes we don't even know that, but lots of times we don't know why we do what we do. And so how would you encourage people? Because there's a lot of people listening right now that have never seen a counselor, that have never really even been in healthy conversations. Like they're listening to what you just said about grandpa and grandma seeing you and helping you deal with your emotions. And they're like, I never had that from anybody, you know, and that's real. I mean, that that's common, I would say even. And, and so what's that self-awareness that we need to, to know like, gosh, Am I missing something? Is there something going on inside of me that that maybe I'm not in touch with or or I I need to know about myself? Yeah, that's a great question because it's it's hard to know what you don't know. Right. And um in our implicit world, uh, kind of the what's below the waterline of consciousness, there's a lot going on. And we need to find that out and because we act out mostly from that. Uh, the neurologists say about 90% of what we do actually is coming from that unconscious place. So we need to kind of hopefully let that reveal itself so we know more about ourselves. I think you so, need to say that again in case people didn't catch that. You just said 90% of how we act is something subconscious? It's coming from a subconscious motivation and understanding and a, a template of what we expect to happen. If that doesn't make you want to pay for counseling, ladies and gentlemen, I do not know what would. Because how are we even supposed to control that? That feels very helpless. It feels very, you know, you're like 90% of what, what you're doing, you can't even control or it's just, it's motivated. What are you saying? Well, it's coming out of what they call our implicit memory, our implicit world. That's below the it's what we know, but it's unthought knowns. There's the explicit, what we know and we can think about, like two plus two equals four. But the implicit world is all the things we learn without paying attention. Mm. And what we learned mostly is how to relate. And we learned that from mom and dad, caregivers. This is how you do it. Maybe crazy is crazy, but that was the normal that we learned. So when we're trying to help people, we're trying to get at what's in that implicit world that uh, got going with your story, because mm. that's that your story helps reveal that. So the more you talk about your story with someone that uh, will listen empathically and ask good questions, you, you talk about what can people do? They could just get with someone who loves them and ask questions about them, mm. clarification questions about their story. And, um, a good question is, what was that in service of? Huh, wonder why you did that. 
what what was that trying to what need was that trying to meet what wound was that trying to protect that action or that attitude and you just go exploring mm. some people are are hearing those questions they're like oh, i don't know what i would say i don't even know I, I i barely know like what i'm doing today you know <laughs> and i would just encourage all of you not to be overwhelmed by this i'm being forced to do this um right now in my life kurt thompson you may know him th- that or of his work no of yes. yes so he Very he's good work. yes he's so brilliant and he has started something called a confessional community where we're doing this jim and it is absolutely the hardest thing in the world. And everyone laughs at me. I think it's harder for me than it is for everyone else in the group. And I think it's because I just want everything to be okay. And it feels a little bit like if I just don't think about all the hard things, if I just don't overanalyze everything, I will be fine. And I can choose to be happy. And what would you say to someone like me that that still finds himself anxious, that still finds himself um, battling things? And I think I know what you're going to say but maybe somebody else needs to hear it. What, what we don't what we don't own about ourselves will own us. So that takes a lot of self-awareness to know to own to own it and not run from it. Mm. And it is scary at times to pursue and to think uh, especially people who have been traumatized or hurt uh, that that's very painful to go there. But what we don't own winds up messing with us relationally we get defensive like you how did you say it you just wanted to control things you wanted everyone to be happy sounds like a seven on the enneagram a lot of uh, energy here that's so that's so good jim you're exactly right (laughs) lots of energy staying away from negative emotion way we deal with pain is we just uh, ignore it and let it go away and it'll all be better. That, we just party. And, and if honestly, we party enough, it'll all be it okay. It kind of works for me a lot. And that's what I'm having a hard time with right now is they're all making me think about hard things in my life and I'm getting more anxious. I mean, I'm just being really vulnerable here with, you know, 100,000 people, whatever. Um, just tell me like, what what is that? Like, I don't, I mean, I still need motivation for this, just really candidly. And I've done a lot of counseling in my life. It's not like I don't value it, but just it feels like a lot of times that does happen for me. It does get better. But talk to me and maybe people like me. The underlying emotion for the seven uh, in Enneagram terms is uh, they're dealing with the emotion of fear. And fear can push us to do things. We all know that. Shame, fear, and guilt, three primary inhibiting emotions. So we all develop strategies to deal with our fear. Uh, I have a lot of five. And the way I dealt with fear is get the facts. If I have enough information, I'll be, I'll be safe. And um, the six is, well, if I just do things the way it's always been done, I'll be safe, the traditional way. And uh, seven, well, if I just kind of ignore it, it'll all go That's away. Me. I was like, what's he going to say about the seven? Yes. If I just don't think about it, if I don't give it energy. Yeah. But what we don't own owns us. Right. Will own us. It will influence how we go about our, our relationships. So I would say to you, the good news is Jesus says, don't be afraid. I am with you. And you need someone who you know loves you and is for you and walks with you. And uh, you can be vulnerable with. They, they provide a safe place for you. So when you say something out loud. What is the power in that? What is the change? Because I hear you talking a lot about relational energy, and that's the book I've just worked on. That's what we're going to talk about next spring. And I just think 
<laughs> I keep hearing this. I hear it from Kurt Thompson too. A lot of counselors are tying our emotional health to our relational health. Oh, yes. Yes. But I don't think we think about that. I don't think we we come to terms with that. We're relational beings at our core. We're created in the image of our social relational God, Father, Son, Spirit. We have the only God that is relational. It's not a mono God. It's a triune God. And John said that their relationship is so wonderful. I'll just call it agape. God is love. Mm. So, yes, our, our emotions then are in service of helping us relationally. They're telling us something about relationships. I'm scared or I'm, I'm happy. Mm. I'm jotting things down here because I think what you're saying is overwhelming to people because most people, and this is why I wrote the book actually, most people don't have easy or healthy relationships. So then it's scary if at our core we're relational beings and those feel broken and that's more out of our control, right? We can control ourselves, we can, or somewhat, we can, well, until you told me 90% is subconscious, but until I knew that, oh, we have a lot of, we have a lot of self-governance, right? Yes, oh, I, I, we have agency, absolutely. We have agency, so what about where we don't? Because we can't control that relational health. We can't control if we had parents that never taught us to relationally emote or to deal with those emotions. We can't control those things. So what would you say to the people that are frustrated with that reality of, Yes, I agree with you. We are relational beings. God built us for a relationship, but all mine feel broken. Yes, there are a lot of people who grew up in a very broken place and were not modeled um, how to do relationships well. And that's sad. That's the result of, uh, from a Christian perspective, that's, that's Genesis 3. That's the fall. That's where relationships got severed. That's what sin tears things apart. Wounds make it hard. So we're trying to put things back together, especially relationally, and we have to kind of put ourselves back together to do that. So I had a I had a tough family. How do I how do I uh, learn to do differently? Well, one of the ways is you get around people who know how to do it better. Mm, that's so good. I, I want everybody to. I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase what you just said. Everybody needs to write this down. If you're if you're sitting at a stoplight at your car, like put this in your notes. Here it is. You ready? You want to be a healthy person? Get around healthy people. Learn from them. <laughs> that that really is, I, I think that is one of the huge things I've learned in my life too, is I have had to develop things that I am weak in by being around people that are strong in those areas. Yeah. It, it's interesting. The New Testament talks about the uh, people of, of God being a family. So it's like we're supposed to have a new family we can go to, and that family Jesus said, it's so important to have unity and to have love because you're teaching people how to, how to come together, how to be whole again, how to learn how to love, because a lot of people never had that. So that's why the church can help people as a new family, new people can learn a new way. And so hang out with people who know, know what they're doing. And that's mm. it, just a simple way, being in community, basically. And if I say, I don't know how to be in community, get in community to learn how. And I think be vulnerable about that, right? Like, it's awkward to say that. Like, I mean, I had to tell my good friends, like, I don't know if I'm a good friend. I don't know. I assume I'm going to hurt you. And and almost like they came around me. They're like, you are a good friend, but we'll we'll tell you when you're not and we'll teach you. Like, almost in my vulnerability, they committed more deeply to me. And yes. and I think that's that's a scary thing to do, though, is to reveal our unhealth. And you're saying we need to reveal it to people so that we can grow in it. What we don't own owns us. 
And owning it is what? Owning it is naming it, saying, I see that. I see why I do that. I see the implications of me doing that. Yeah, that's something that by God's grace, I, I need to work on with the help of the spirit. Mm. One, one very practical thing you can do is just ask people, how are you experiencing me? Oh, that's so vulnerable. That's what, so what, vulnerable. What's it like to be with me in my company? And hopefully someone loves you enough to gently tell you, well, some of the time you're just, you're really over the top. <laughs> and then I, I can, then I can explore that and say, huh, I'm curious. Why, why do I get over the top? Why do I get almost hysterical? There's something in my story that is pushing me that way. I need healing from that. So I go exploring. Well, guys, the temps aren't dropping much down here in Texas, but I know fall is coming soon, and I cannot wait to tell you about Jenny and I's favorite shoes that we love wearing called Rothy's. It's 2021, and listen, nobody has time for uncomfortable shoes, and that's where Rothy's comes in. And guess what? Rothy's aren't just for women anymore. Rothy's has a whole line of men's sneakers and driving loafers. Rothy's are known for being the most comfortable and cute flats that you'll never get tired of wearing, and they're a must-have for travel. It really is no surprise that Rothy's best-selling shoe, which is called the Point in Black, has over 5,000 near-perfect reviews. I love my Rothy's. I got the cute sneakers that are like little booties, and I love wearing them in the fall. And I know Jenny loves wearing her camo flats. So we are excited to partner with Rothy's this season, and to help you welcome the fall season in style, Rothy's is doing something special. That's right, they gave us the chance to share this super rare opportunity with our listeners for a limited time. Right now, you can get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash made for this. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash made for this. Head to rothys.com slash made for this to find your new favorites today. And now back to Jenny. What you call exploring, most people would call shame. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I mean, it's and I and I say that because I think you are onto it. That that most people would hear, and this has absolutely happened to me, where I have done exactly what you're saying, and I have found out terrible things, and yet. In those moments, I've had a choice, right? We do have a choice. We can go, okay, why do I do what I do? Or I can't believe I do what I do. And and I'm a horrible person, right? That's the choice we have. Well, yes, we have agency, we have choice. And so we hopefully by the power of the spirit say, God help me, because God's given us the capacity for um, volition to decide that, that I want to do something. But the reality is, we can't do it by ourselves. That's the point I'm trying to make. We have to have others helping us. I have to have someone that knows my story. Someone needs to know about all of me if I'm going to be a, a healthy person. So now, I mean, that leads me more to where the book went. I'm sorry, we should have saved you for next season because this is so helpful to that subject. But I think it's so helpful to this one. We cannot talk about being a healthy person without talking about healthy relationships. When you're sitting there going, okay, I've got to begin to share that with somebody, most people listening are thinking, nobody knows all of me. Nobody knows all my story. Maybe a spouse, maybe a friend that has walked with you for a decade. But I know that there are ways to create that faster than a decade and getting married, hopefully. Um, so talk about how we even begin to find that. Well, we talk about it. I, I think if no one knows my story, I, it's a good chance I don't know my story. 
because when I start talking, things come to my head that I haven't thought of in years. And so, oh, that was a part of my story. I wonder how that fits in. I, I just had an experience of that last, last week. It was just like, oh, the kind of the light bulb went off for the first time on, huh, that, that probably contributes to my anger and why I did such and such and have acted such and such. I see it now. Okay, Lord, I, I need healing around that. Mm. Or Lord, I need to repent because I did something there that set me up in a, in a for a bad trajectory. So I, I think it, let's not, I'm 67. Let's not make life any more complicated than it has to be. How am I going to get healthy? I'd be around healthy people telling my story to people who love me. Mm. And when I tell my story, the more I tell my story, the more I know my story and own my story. And I, I don't know why, but the neurologists say telling your story brings emotional health. <laughs> I love, I love that. And God, I don't God's know full why. Of stories. That's exactly how I feel. I freaking wrote a book about like our brains, and I still would say I don't know why we're supposed to talk about this stuff, but we are. And I think you know what? There is something about the brain we don't understand that God built it in such a mysterious way that even the most br brilliant people in the world don't exactly understand it, but they see the fruit of it. And then if we look at the theology of it, that God is a relational being, that he built us as relational beings, then we're entering into our most, you know, deep identity that he was even in, in Genesis. And one of the first things he says about man is it's not good for him to be alone. So we've got something in us that is craving this and it almost doesn't even matter why. And that's what I would say is what I'm doing with my confessional community right now. I'm just telling them we're supposed to say, what is something that you want and are longing for? And what is something that um, you're grieving? And we're just doing this. And it feels mm. kind of like, why am I doing this? But at the same time, I cry every time. Can't make eye contact every time. I get more awkward than should happen to a 40-something woman that is pretty mature. Like, I <laughs> am a wreck in those moments. And yet, they love me. They stay. They listen. They respond. And something changes, I believe. Something changes. Yeah. So what do we do when we don't know what to do? What would you say to the person that's listening that's motivated? Like, okay, I don't have what Jenny has. I don't have what Jim is saying we need in our lives. What's the first step? Well, to own it, like you just did. You can, if you can come to that and say, I, I need help, that's, that's good. I think, again, I have to find some sort of community where uh, if I'm in a church or a small group or I have to find someone that I can, that I can talk with. And maybe it is maybe it is a spouse that I take the I'm vulnerable enough to start talking with my spouse in ways that I haven't talked before. See see what happens there. You said it. You, we've got to have others. We we can't be healthy without without the help of others. We just can't. Yeah, I did this work on get out of your head, and one of the weapons in there was community. But it felt like the 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 blinking light one. Like every time I would post anything about friendship, anything about relationships, I would get you know, a barrage of emails and DMs and comments that would say, I don't even have friends. I don't even know how to have friends. I've given up on this. And I think that's what breaks my heart. And I hope, mm, um, yeah. I hope this podcast has helped with for people. I believe the new work that I've been working on next spring will help with people, but it is just vulnerable and it's awkward. And there's just not really, it's like we can be lonely or we can be awkward and vulnerable. There's really not another option. I think without awkward vulnerability, it just isn't going to happen. And so what you're saying, Jim, I, I just, I mean, it's like, I want to th come through the mic, 
grab everyone by the shoulders and say, I promise this is a bigger deal than you realize, your lack of community. And I promise you it will be worth it, even though it is so hard, even though those relationships will disappoint you, even though you will be get in conflict with people that that you do life that closely with. And I, you know, for some of you, you just need to pay for a counselor first. I mean, that that's really where you are is you're so paralyzed. You've tried so hard to have community that maybe you need to hear the truth from someone that you pay. But in the end, and you know, ultimately, the hope is we're having that not just with therapists, but we're having that with with friends. Right. Yes. That's how I see it. And I, I agree with you. Some of the time we just need the jump start that a counselor can get, or sometimes we need the help, the tune-up help that a counselor can give. I, uh, I spent two days with a therapist this summer, two whole days, mm-hmm. cost me a bundle, but I just wanted to, I wanted to look under the hood again. I wanted to m- make sure, what do you see? One of my favorite quotes that you, you've said so far is I'm 67 and I don't want to unnecessarily overcomplicate my life. Can we just all say amen to that? Like whatever age you are, I want you to say it to yourself. Like I am this age. And because it doesn't matter if you're 20 and you're listening to this, we don't need to be overcomplicating our lives. And we all are. And so as we close, I would love for you to just talk about what, how do we simplify? How does the person listening that's going, I have completely overcomplicated relationships. I have overcomplicated my desires and my spiritual and emotional health, what do they do first? They have to look at their calendar, frankly, and, and get some space. You, you, you can't do soul work, emotional, mental health without some space. And when we're, when we're full, 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 or we're on our uh, screens all the time, it's just not space. That's not space. So commit to having if you can, 30 minutes a day, that's just quiet and alone and just listen to, listen to what bubbles up. Just pay attention. Be curious about what bubbles up. Mm. That's, that's your first step. I would think is you got to slow down enough to hear the still small voice. And that's terrifying. That could be terrifying. And it's worth it because. Because we're relational beings and we crave closeness and connection. Okay. I feel like I'm going to need some counseling after this one, Jim. (laughs) <laughs> but I appreciate it. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And, and, and I would say before we go, this is the last thing I'll ask is what is a healthy person? What is the goal? What, what are we even shooting for here? A healthy person knows how to be loved and to love. Mm, that's beautiful. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. This was so helpful. We're so grateful for you. I just listened to this episode and I'm not going to lie. My mind is blown. I need to sit down and take some notes myself, maybe call a friend. And I know you guys are loving this too. It was so great to have Jim back today. Y'all should go back and listen to the first episode he did because it was equally as amazing. So I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. But if you want to learn more from Jim, if you want to learn about his ministry, it's crosspointministry.com. And he also wrote a book called The Relational Soul with um, a guy named Richard Plass. But it is an incredible book, too. It's a short read, and I'll make sure to put that link in the show notes, too. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast. Podcast.